for the Canadian Society of Physician Leaders, I'm Pat Rich, and this is Leading the Way, the podcast for and about physician leaders. Our podcasts are looking at how physicians can become better leaders, and at the moment we are focusing on leadership issues related to the COVID-19 pandemic in Canada. On today's show, your host, Dr. Johnny Van Aird, Executive Medical Director of CSPL and the current editor of the Canadian Journal of Physician Leadership, will be speaking with Dr. Margaret Steele. Margaret is Dean of Medicine at Memorial University of Newfoundland, a position she has held since 2016. In this interview, Margaret discusses the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on the medical school at Memorial, as well as talking about how this pandemic will change medical education in Canada in the future. Over to you, Johnny. Thanks, Pat, and welcome to our podcast, Margaret. Thank you, Johnny. It's nice to be here. The Canadian medical schools had to significantly change direction due to this COVID-19. What has been the impact so far on the medical school at Memorial in Newfoundland? So as you can imagine, the impact has been far-reaching. We've had to address issues related to medical and graduate education, research activities, staff working conditions, and faculty issues. And these have been really wide-ranging from moving everything possible to online remote teaching within one week to assisting our learners, staff, and faculty in learning and working from home. We've also had to provide them with resources needed to be able to work remotely. So things like increasing the bandwidth or providing various platforms and video conferencing tools and giving them tips and guidelines on how to learn and work remotely. We've also had to minimize the people coming into our medical school building because we're physically attached to the Health Sciences Center, which is the largest hospital in the province. And with respect to research, we've had to pause uh, a number of our research activities that weren't deemed essential. And the essential research activities were uh, COVID research and clinical trials for which patients needed ongoing intervention. And we've had to receive research exemptions for some of our researchers and staff members to keep the animals and cell lines active and alive uh, so they can continue their research program. And of course, the clinical faculty and our residents have been at the cold face uh, continuing with patient care. So I, uh, I hear that there are a lot of creative and other adjustments that have to be made. Are those things that happen each university and it's all at its own? Or are you in touch with other medical schools as well to perhaps come up with a common plan? So Memorial is working with the other 16 Canadian medical schools to really establish a unified approach to medical education and research. So a number of documents have been developed about general principles about medical education, academic planning scenarios and also uh, when we can gradually have our graduate students going back into the laboratories. But of course, each medical school's plan is dependent on public uh, advisories and the public health directives of our region. We've had to review every phase of our medical education program here at Memorial and devise a plan for each cohort as they all had different requirements and they all need to finish their educational programs as planned. For example, with the pandemic, some of our learners are out of province and they also have young children. So we have to make sure that there's additional learning materials and alternate learning modalities because they may not be able to do live remote 
learning sessions. And we've also encouraged our faculty to do lecture capture so that the students can do their learning on their own time. We've also had to cancel clinical rotations and electives for our undergraduate students. And for our postgraduate learners, they've been very creative in ways in which they're doing their rotations to meet the academic needs as well as deliver service. So for example, some residents are working one week on and one week off. We've also developed a redeployment policy in case learners have to be redeployed to high needs areas such as ICUs if there's an increase in COVID positive patients. And we also work very closely with the Eastern Health Regional Health Authority, of which I sit on the board to make sure that the needs of our learners are being addressed and that they continue their academic program. You're making quite a few changes. Do you think that some of the changes that the medical school has made, that some of those will remain in the future after the pandemic? Oh, absolutely. As we all say, every crisis is an opportunity. We've had to use more remote learning and different tools, and I think that they'll become part and parcel of our curricula. We've been using various platforms like WebEx and Zoom and Definitely, we'll be using those more for meetings. In fact, we had a record uh, turnout of our faculty council. And so everybody was saying, well, this is obviously the way to increase our attendance and engagement with our faculty members. We also had a workplace wellness survey of learners, staff, and faculty uh, just before the pandemic. And one of the issues that people raised was flexibility. And I think the pandemic has really demonstrated for us that we have the flexibility and that we don't always need to have the learners, staff, and faculty always in the medical school building to learn and work. So I think there's going to be much more flexibility and more use of online modules, videos, and other technology to assist in learning. The other thing that we prioritized and is part of our strategic plan is actually wellness. But during the COVID pandemic, we've established a well-being task group, and they've actually been doing communications twice a week to learners, staff, and faculty about wellness topics, and we've disseminated them to the larger university as well as to the regional health authorities so other healthcare workers and people can utilize them. So I think there's going to be lots of changes within how we deliver our services and our education. Fascinating how many different changes in different areas of the health system that are being triggered by the whole COVID pandemic. So when we look at what's happening across Canada right now, where do you see leadership being exemplified in dealing with the pandemic? So there's been many, many examples across the country around strong leadership uh, during the pandemic. I'm going to speak from my perspective living in Newfoundland And I have been very impressed with Newfoundland in general. There actually has been a task force established by a community member that's brought together government officials, healthcare leaders, industry partners, and the university and academics to look at issues that are related to the pandemic. So things from where can businesses develop PPE or how can we enhance our testing here? And uh, we've had people from outside the province Uh, join our committee to provide some of their guidance and support. And they've also been quite impressed with what we've been able to do in the province. And at the medical school, our vision is through excellence, we will integrate education, research, and social accountability to advance the health of the people and communities we serve. And so as the leader and our leadership team, we really want to continue with that vision during this time of crisis. I've been really uh, impressed and proud of our leadership of our learners, faculty, and staff. 
our undergrad learners, for example, had developed a task force for COVID and they mate with the education leaders and they've been informing the national picture by sitting on committees and also writing letters where they feel the needs of our students are not necessarily addressed. Uh, we also acted very quickly and we developed a COVID task force with our senior education research academic and administrative leaders that was meeting on a daily basis uh, when the situation was changing so rapidly and we were putting out communications regularly. Now, since it has calmed down slightly, uh, we have been meeting less frequently, but we're very nimble and flexible and can meet uh, at a moment's notice if there's concerns being raised. Uh, so everybody's working together and I think that we've done uh, quite a good job given the situation. Over the years, you have uh, fulfilled several roles. Uh, you're a child and an adolescent psychiatrist. You have worked at other universities and you've led various initiatives and uh, projects. When you look back over your leadership journey so far, what traits, what values, what leadership skills have you picked up or developed along the way that are most useful today? So I think that the key things are really to be open, transparent, and accountable. And this is a difficult situation. So as much information as you can provide and any suggestions on how we can move forward and obtaining feedback from the people in your community is incredibly important. I think role modeling, integrity, and honesty is important. And definitely working collaboratively. Uh, I've been the dean here almost four years, and I've had the pleasure of developing a very strong team. And so it's important to trust your team and let them shine. One of the things that I was told by a mentor, Dr. Steve Wartman from the Association of Academic Health Sciences International was, as a leader, it's really important to bask in the glow of others. And I think that's a wonderful way of looking at things because really through this pandemic, a lot of the learner staff and faculty have been shining and, and showing great leadership skills. I think it's also important to enable your community which includes from a medical school perspective, not only your community within the faculty, but your alumni and healthcare partners to work together to solve problems. Uh, we've had many, many people within the faculty contributing in multitude of ways for the COVID pandemic. We have a fourth year medical student and a second year family medicine resident and one other medical school alumni who've developed a company called PolyUnity, which is a 3D printing program company. And they actually are were asked by our regional health authority to develop face shields. So we loaned them some of our 3D printers so they could scale up. We've had one of our associate professors who's been an acting medical officer of health, and she informs not only Eastern Health, but also the university. And we have a clinician scientist who's heading the province's predictive analytic teams, and the list goes on. So I think it's really important to facilitate connections for them, celebrate what they're doing, and recognizing them. And so I see my role as a facilitator, collaborator, team player, and communicator. Any last words, any advice for your colleagues based on what you're experiencing during the crisis? I think the biggest thing is really having a strong team and letting them do what they need to do and be there to support them as they move forward. Thanks very much, Margaret, for taking the time to talk to me and to the CSPL membership today. Thanks very much, Johnny. It's been my pleasure. Now over to you, Pat. Thanks, Johnny. And thanks, Margaret. That's our show for today. We hope you are enjoying and learning from the perspectives of the various leaders Johnny has been interviewing since the pandemic began. 
please continue to listen to our future podcasts and subscribe to them through your favorite podcast platform. They can also be accessed through the CSPL website, physicianleaders.ca. Until next time.